Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to our second edition of NASCAR, where we talk all things mid-major college hoops. My name is Nick Pierce, joined, as always, by our experts, Paul Nazigan and Tim Scarborough. Together, they are Naz and Scar. And this week, we've got a lot to get to. We talk all mid-major college hoops, as I said, even the West Coast Conference, except for Gonzaga. They do not count. We established that last week if you were with us. So we got a lot to get to on the show, as I said. We've uh, also got our second part of our conversation with uh, former coach Jeff Meyer to get to. So, guys, let's go ahead and dive right in. Let's get to the starting five here this week. And first up, COVID cancellations. Mike Krzyzewski uh, canceling the remainder of Duke's non-conference ball games. Scar, what's your take? Well, you know, I, I think – it's the right decision for them. You know, every, every team has to coach his own team. I'll say that, you know, Nate Oates, the head coach of Alabama took some shots at coach K. We could talk about that, but you know, he apologized for it, but I understand both sides of it, right? If coach K was winning, he probably would be less reticent to, to quit, right? Because he'd want to keep going. His team was on a roll, but we talked about this last week. It's really hard to prepare your team when you didn't have a preseason. And as a result, you know, some of these teams, Kentucky, Duke, they're, they're off to rugged starts. And the other thing, they don't have any fans in the audience. So there's no advantage to playing in, a, in your arena because your arena is empty. So, you know, but safety is always a concern. I'm on the very conservative side of this. I'm not even doing most of the college basketball games I would be doing throughout the course of a, a college basketball season because I don't want to travel in the, in the, the, with the way COVID is. So I understand it. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I don't fault Coach K because, you know, rule number one as a coach, you look, you look after your kids. You know, you got to do what's best for your team. And if he felt that that was the best thing to do, um, then you can't really fault him. Every coach knows their situation best. Um, Score, I'm a little bit on the other side of the of the COVID argument. You know, I just really feel like um, if you can play, uh, you should try to play because. Um, I don't know that canceling makes you any safer unless you're going to take your team to some kind of bubble situation where it's the dorm to team meals to the, to the gym. But if you're letting guys kind of go out on their own at times, I don't know that it makes you safer. And then I really just am kind of tuned into the, the social and emotional uh, wellness of kids. And, and I just, I think it's taken a toll on them. And I just think, uh, the more games they can play, life just feels normal. You know, you re we remember, I mean, just the best thing you had at that age was getting out on the court and, and, and hooping. So um, it's a tough argument. And again, I think like we were both agree on, you got to just kind of do what's best for your situation. Agreed. Yeah, certainly tough times and uh, tough decisions to be made out there. No doubt about it. Number two on our starting five, quirky conference formats. And we've seen a lot of these NAS uh, teams playing back-to-back -back days. I know the A-Sun is doing that and a few others as well. What do you make of this? Yeah, I mean, again, trying to make the best of it. I think there's uh, some advantages to safety and, and only traveling to uh, half the places in your conference. Um, but it poses some problems. I mean, you're, you're talking back-to-back -back games uh, with not a lot of time to, uh, you know, prepare or make any kind of changes. Uh, injuries, you're, you know, if, if you get somebody dinged up, then, you know, they're, they're 24 hours later, you're back on the court. Um, but again – uh, conferences are trying to do the best they can. That seems to be one of the popular ones. Yeah. And, and you know, it, the other thing that it introduces is 
you don't get some teams that come to your place. And obviously, we just talked about really there yeah, isn't point. a home court advantage anymore anyway because most places don't have fans. But still, you know, playing in the confines of your own environment where you're used to the rims, you're used to you slept in your own bed that night. Yep. Now you got to you got to play two home games in a row. That's always good for you. But sometimes you got to go on the road and play too. So it's just going to produce an imbalance in terms of the conference standings, in my opinion, because it's really hard to turn around. That's why, you know, they do it in baseball. And Nick, you cover a lot of baseball. You know, you play two, three, four games in a row and it's hard to sweep a team, you know? So it's, so you got that whole baseball, basketball imbalance, two different sports, but we rarely play basketball against the same team two nights in a row. So it's a real adjustment for the college coaches. It's going to be interesting to see who can bounce back on that Saturday after losing on the Friday. Yeah. I mean, what changes really, right? Yeah, right. I mean, now one thing we mentioned here as we move on to three in our starting five is we don't, there are certain conferences we don't talk about. Now, typically the Mid-America Intercollegiate Athletic Association is not one of the ones we would cover on this podcast, but in this case we will as Division II Fort Hayes absolutely stunned Kansas State winning on their home floor, leading wire to wire and winning by double digits, guys, come on. And that's crazy to me. You know, that hasn't happened. A non-Division One hasn't beaten a Power Five uh, on their floor since December of 2000. So it's been a long time. It doesn't happen uh, regularly, but we're living a different time. And you got to feel for Coach Bruce Weber and the Kansas State team, you know, in Manhattan. Things are not looking good for them, losing 81-68 to a team. And by the way, that team didn't have its top coach. Right. or his top assistant because of COVID-19. So just a wacky story. Yeah, and, you know, Coach Weber, you know, he apologized to uh, the, the fan base. And, you know, I don't know, I think he went a little overboard on that. I mean, <laughs> these things happen. I mean, they make, they make college basketball exciting. It was 20 years ago. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you have to say something and, and you want to you work hard. But I think he kind of beat himself up a little bit too much. You know, Fort Hayes, uh, they, they also lost their first three Division II games to the power <laughs> Washburn, Emporia, <laughs> and Nebraska Kearney. So, oh, you're killing, you're killing Bruce Weber. <laughs> yeah, I just maybe, he didn't, maybe, maybe he needed to go that hard on himself. <laughs> big, big bounce back win there for, uh, for Fort Hayes. Uh, let's move on here. Number four in our starting five. NCAA transfer rules could be changing, and they could be changing soon, granting all student-athletes immediate eligibility upon transferring. Uh, this didn't set too well with a, with a few coaches out there. Guys, what do you make of the transfer rules potentially changing midseason? Yeah, well, well you, you know, know the, co the comment comes you know, from Jim Laranago on the heels of, of a nice mid-major upset. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast took down Miami, so uh, – you know, he was a little bit upset, I think, of that. But but he's right. Listen, he's right on, on the fact that you got something as important as the transfer rule and the ripple effects of the numbers of people that that's going to impact. And we're sitting around and don't have a don't have a decision on it. And if a decision comes, it's going to come midseason uh, as if we needed one more thing in this crazy year to have happened. So I'm with Coach uh, Laranega on that one. The timing of it is really bad. Score I'm with them too. To take. Yeah, I'm with them too on the timing 
But the thing is, there's already a wild, wild west with the transfer portal. The transfer portal is full of good players now. It used to be guys that didn't play at the end of the bench. They want to yeah. get some playing time. Now you got guys in there that are all conference players, guys averaging 15, 20 points a game, and they're still in that transfer portal. So it's already a wide open thing. So in my opinion, if you make that decision to make them not redshirt, which are, they're granting waivers left and right anyway, I say, let's go for it. Let's, let's make it. If you transfer, you can play right away. I like the rule. And I like the it's a one-time thing, so that's good. So it's not just guys can't bounce to you know four places. But yeah, I'm with you, Scar. It's a good it's a good thing. All right, rounding out our starting five here this week, number five, and it's simply a question: Who wins this week? Who wins the SoCon, Scar? Who do you got? I love this segment. I think we should do this every week. Different conferences, and this week is the SoCon. One of my favorites. I think is a top three or four conference in the country in terms yep. of mid majors. Um, when you look at the standings, though, I mean, it's kind of topsy-turvy right now with, you know, Chattanooga being at the bottom uh, in, the, in terms of, uh, I'm sorry, East Tennessee State being at the bottom. Uh, I think they're going to be one of the better teams. They got a new coach, so they may hit some bumpy roads. Mercer was picked in the top four. Mercer is one of the better mid-major teams. And, and Greg Gary has them really going in his second year coming there from Purdue. He's got a, a fifth-year senior in, in – uh, uh, Ross Cummings, that is really a preseason all-conference player. You know, I, I still believe in Greensboro, uh, uh, Wes Miller. Isaiah Miller, probably the best player in conf- in the Southern Conference. So I think Greensboro, Mercer, and Furman will all be in the mix. If I if go to my head, I'm going to go with the Mercer Bears. All right, that sounds that's good. I can't argue with that. Um, yeah, the standings are interesting. And just as I look at those, you got uh, – Scar, you and I were talking about this um, – some of scheduling is coaching philosophy and, 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 you know, you see some guys, Citadel's five and oh, Western Carolina, six and one, you know, you got some guys that, that need some wins for their young teams. And so they kind of go out and schedule some little different yeah. later opponents early. So that you can't tell a whole lot from, from some of that stuff, but yeah, I mean, I think you're right on with Greensboro firm and Mercer being up near the top, you know, it, yeah, I'm with you. This is a tough, decision we knew the socon was going to be tough they have been for several years uh yeah. and, and so they really got it rolling down there i guess if i had to make a call i liked them last week i'm gonna stay with the firm and paladins i think they're gonna pull it out coach bob ritchie got it rolling and i think they're in for some great stuff this year all right that'll wrap it up for our starting five here this week and i can't wait to see what we got out there next week but for now let's move on to our nascar mid-major top 25 here this week Looking forward to seeing the movement here as we take a look at numbers 1 through 12 in the uh, top 25 here this week. Scar, not a whole lot of movement, really, except for uh, in the top five. Richmond it took a double-digit loss to uh, to West Virginia on Sunday. And- yeah, not a lot of movement in the top five. That's because me and Scar know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. hey, we, we so, nail it every week that's guys. right yeah so i mean yeah richmond loses they bump down but i mean they lose a number eight west virginia who is just a phenomenal team so yeah a lot of things staying put up in that upper half yeah scar what about like- vcu they they jump out there into to, uh as well jumping inside the top 10 now at number eight yeah, I like VCU at number eight. And, you know, they had a good win on Saturday. They're just a gritty team, a very young team. You know, Coach Mike Rose has really got them going. They're athletic, play with a ton of energy. And, of course, a lot of that defensive energy that they that they bring converts at the other end and transition opportunities. A really fun team to watch. 
Let's move on. Look at uh, numbers 13 through 25 here. Uh, Naz, Belmont, Furman, they're moving up here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, both teams five and one. You know, we talked about really good programs, you know, just a, a kind of just a really winning culture. And we, we bumped them up a little bit and uh, we're, we're still riding them. Scar, uh, looking at the, the lower uh, part of the uh, top 25 here, you got UAB, Western Carolina. They move inside the top 25. Also, Abilene Christian, you guys have them down there at uh, number 25 at five and one. Yeah, it's good to see them jump in there. You know, they took a, a, a loss, a close loss, really, to Texas Tech, who's one of the better teams in the country, uh, one of the best power fives out there. But you look at UAB, Andy Kennedy, uh, playing, going back to his alma mater where he played at UAB, they're going to be a force to reckon with in Conference USA. They got a lot of transfers, a kid from Clemson. Uh, they still have Taven Lovin and a freshman, a second-year guard in Benjamin. So they got some players there, and it looked for them – to really compete with Western Carolina, Western Kentucky, I should say, in Conference USA. Well, we got some teams moving into the top 25 this week. Of course, that means some teams are on the way out. Austin P took a loss to Murray State their last time out. South Dakota State lost uh, to South Dakota, I think, last Saturday. And then Stephen F. Austin out as well after a loss to number two, Baylor. Well, that's a look at the top 25 here this week. It's time to move on to our next portion of the show, our coaches' conversation. And this week, it's part two of our conversation with former coach Jeff Meyer, longtime assistant at the University of Michigan, and of course, success at the mid-major level as well, taking liberty to the big dance in 1994 and a number of years spent at Butler where he just recently retired. So part two of our Naz and Scar conversation with former coach Jeff Meyer. Hey, I want to take you back to your Liberty days. Um, you know, I'm still calling games for Liberty and people – see Liberty now and it, it, they're on the map and, and, and they think, I think a lot of people just sort of think it was always like that, but Scar and I know better. Scar and I know who brought them out of obscurity. And I wanted to, I want you to talk about those days, coach. I mean, taking over a tiny unheard of Christian college to where you left it, as we mentioned earlier, the 94 NCAA championship, and you were the guy that put Liberty basketball on the map, talk about those days. What was special for you? What do you remember back from those days? Well, I appreciate that, uh, Paul. This is uh, it's kind of veg. I look back on that time. That's, that was a lifetime ago, as you well <laughs> know. Uh, but uh, I look back on it, and uh, you know, I had several uh, players from our first like five or six years at Liberty. That was kind of the foundational years when we were NAI Division Two, and. Um, Several of those guys have stayed in touch. They, you know, several of them came to a Butler game the last couple of years, came to Butler games. Uh, you guys were more of the, what I call, if those were foundational years and foundational part of the experience, you were in the transitional year from division two to division one. Yeah. And wow, did we log some miles in a bus? <laughs> a lot of road, road games, a lot of road, road games. We Woo! were busting to Florida. We were yeah. busting. Uh. To Niagara, I think we bust <laughs> New York City, played yeah. Brooklyn, in New Brooklyn. York City. Yeah, yeah. That was oh. crazy. What were we doing? <laughs> get home, get home at four o'clock in the morning. Say, you guys get to class now. Right. Got yeah. Oh, brutal, brutal. Yeah, but you guys were, were just really, really uh, instrumental in the transition years. And then, of course, once we were able to get 
into the big South that become, you know, that, that final stage of my time at Liberty where uh, we kind of turned it around and we, we had some pretty good big South teams. And so, but those years were tremendous years. Naz. I mean, we had, uh, you know, obviously it was a, a time where our family kind of grew up and uh, Lynchburg is a great place for, uh, to raise a family, as you well know, you both well know that it's very, very good, friendly, family friendly environment. Uh, the other thing about being at Liberty, though, that kind of prepared, you know, Paul, you talked a little bit about being in the Big Ten. The people at Liberty, they want to win, you know, so every day <laughs> and, and not, not that they don't at other places, uh, but they don't they want to win as bad as the people in uh, West Lafayette want the Boilers to win. The people yeah. in, in Liberty the mountain, they want their guys to win. So there was always that underlying deal of, we better make sure we got a good team, a good product on the court. And uh, so as you guys helped with that, um, but the, uh, the Liberty experience, looking back on it, really created a, uh, a coaching experience and a coaching foundation through relationships that uh, has lasted, literally lasted a lifetime. Because I was at Liberty, I met Greg Marshall. I was at Liberty, I met John Beeline. Uh, because of the success we enjoyed at Liberty, uh, Todd Licklider reached out to me when I was at Winthrop and said, you want to come back home to Butler? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then, of course, my uh, experience at Butler had, was tremendous also uh, in terms of just allowing me to meet people, to grow. As you mentioned, uh, Scar, the game is so much different now than it was when we were at Liberty. We, had, we played pretty good man-to-man -man defense through a little ma uh, matchup zone once in a while. Uh, but we were a, a basically a motion offense team. You guys remember the, uh, the blockers and the movers? And that's right. it. Right. Yeah. In it. And I'm sure yep. Rich, Rich, Richard, Rick, Richie's using that a little bit. Yep. Uh, we did the open, the, the, the Bob Huggins open, uh, uh, open motion offense, five out. And we ran about five or six actions maybe after a timeout to get one of our big kids uh uh julius nawasu or uh maybe peter peter luma. Luma. yes sir the late, the late great peter luma how yeah. sad was that to lose yeah him. man uh and and keme's doing great at, at yeah Tech. How yeah about that? yeah ace custis told me back in january ace is on staff there at virginia tech i went to watch them play syracuse uh, on my way up to watch liberty and Ace said, you know, Keve might be the best player on our team. And he was redshirting. And, uh, man, he is not disappointing. And, but, you know, you saw him at Wofford. You know, of course, we're a mid-major podcast, and Paul and I cover mid-major teams nice. and watch it. And Wofford, when Keve was there and they had Fletcher McGee, who was yeah. an all-time leading three-point shooter in the Southern Conference, even more threes than Steph Curry hit, even though Steph only played <laughs> three years at Davidson. But, you know, and Keve was a big part of that. You know, they ran yeah. the table. You know how hard yeah. it is to run the table at any level. And you've coasted the mid-major. You've coasted the, you know, the Big Ten, the, the Big 12. It's hard to win every game. You mentioned going on no the question. road in conference is no very question. tough. But, yeah, it's, I'm very proud of, of Keve being a second-generation Liberty guy over at Virginia Tech. We got, we got uh, matched up with Wofford when I was at the Butler in, in uh, 2014, the, mm. the NCAA tournament. We played them right out of the gate, and they gave us – <laughs> everything we we went to the elite eight that year they gave us everything we could possibly want in the first round game mike young uh, heck of a coach yeah and uh you know he's he's done a tremendous job and there's a guy that you know 
was started out as an assistant at Watford and, and stayed the course. Richard Johnson ended up uh, uh, going into the administrative uh, chair and, and Mike got an opportunity did a great job with it. He does, he does, he runs some really good stuff offensively, but in terms of the game changing, uh, when I got to Butler, we started using the ball screen offense. Of course, you'd seen it in the, the pick and roll. I'd seen it with, you know, Stockton Malone, and you'd seen mm. a little bit with the NBA. And then how has that changed the game, guys? I it mean, is the game. Everywhere. It's everywhere. It, it, listen, as a guard, I didn't have to have to navigate that minefield behind me. It wasn't a, <laughs> a, 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 a big post player standing here, a big post player. We didn't have a big post player on either side of you, and you got to get through the screen, and you got a post stepping out and hedging. We didn't have to work. Now, we had a couple sets where we did that with Bailey Austin and me, where it was yep. a ball screen. He'd go right. If he couldn't turn the corner, he'd pitch it back to me, and I'd go left because I like to go left. And, we, and, you know, we'd score out of that sometimes, but it wasn't the whole offense like it is now. I mean, my goodness. It's unbelievable how the game has evolved. Yeah. So, Coach, yeah, we will really we'll, has. Of course, you'd make yeah, go, go ahead. Uh, uh, well, I, I you would, mentioned the three-point the, the three line and how that changed it yeah. back in the, you know, in the 80s. But, you know, the, the shot clock running, you know, is now at, at uh, 30. You know, that went from 45 to 35. 45. To 30. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. uh, you, you played one that was like 45, I believe. Yeah, yeah. That's, like, oh, that's an eternity. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let Coach get out with a, with a, a quick couple of spitfire questions, all right? And we'll end it. Before we'll end I get out, like now, I got, yeah. I got to tell you, I, I do remember you two guys as players. You know, I, oh, yeah. I do know that. All right. I, you mentioned Bailey Austin. I think you and Bailey went for 50 one night. So, uh, I think he had like 42. And you had <laughs> <laughs> that was and most after, nights. After the, game, after the game, after the game, Scar, after the game, Scar, you were talking about your 50 piece. I didn't figure <laughs> that one out. You know, I, I like Man. to take credit for Bailey Austin's 2,000 points in three seasons. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was an incredible performance by him. And, and, you know, you mentioned when I was a player, you know, he and I had similar skills and we played the same position. It's the reason I learned how to play point guard because we were in the same class. So I knew yeah. I would never see the court as long as Bailey Austin was in that program. <laughs> so, you know, I was smart enough to say, let me learn some new positions here if I'm going to get on, on, on the court under Jeff Meyer. And we told uh, we told Chaz to get back, cover the basket in transition because he couldn't get an offensive rebound anyhow. Right. Bailey was like Bailey, you and Bailey were our best rebounders. You were our yeah. guard. Oh yeah, but but and yeah, that, but we but we leaked out the other end. Oh boy, we gave up layups because we we're both crashing. Nobody's covering the basket. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I think I think about Naz. Naz is the ultimate glue guy. You know, he doesn't start. He doesn't start. He doesn't start. But every time to finish a game, who was in there? Paul Nazigan. He was in I there. Have him. You know, trust, and, and our senior our senior year, we won our last six games. Yeah. And you started Paul at the end of the year. Of Finally, you, year. Got, you got into my head a little bit, didn't you? Listen, you said, hey, what's I up did. With this, coach? I, I would Paul, you don't know this, but I lobby for you all, all the time. Like you got to get Naz in there because you know, you need glue guys, like you said. We had scores, guys are gonna put shots up. Yep. Nas could play and not take a shot and affect winning. And I was like, hey, we got to get him in there. So I think that finally, team, the, the, big, the big thing with that team is he could at least inbound the ball without turning it over. Yeah. <laughs> that was always a challenge. Get the ball inbounds. Wow. Man. You bring go, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Let's go. 
Uh, yeah. I just wanted to let let your no. listeners know who they were dealing oh, with on these uh, podcasts. <laughs> That's good stuff. All right, Coach, we'll let you out of here. We'll give you, give you a couple of spitfire questions. Um, my first one is, who's the best player you ever coached? I know that's tough. We mentioned a lot of good ones in Michigan and IU. You know, it might be Bailey Austin. It might be Tim Scarborough. I don't know. <laughs> that, those guys are really good. I, you know what? In, uh, and you don't like to put people out there by because of comparisons. I mean, it's 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 hard. Different players are, have different skill sets. So I don't know. You know, I, obviously we could. We could pick out a starting five, you know. I might have to put Julius Nwasu at the center Ooh. on that starting five team because wow, he was man. really, really talented. He's still upset with me because I didn't let him shoot threes, <laughs> you know. Do get get inside you. That's where you're going to do your best. But uh, certainly, uh, Eric, EJ, Eric Gordon, and, and Trey mm. Burke were special players. Trey ended up being college player of the year. True. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, follow that up with a Nick Stauskas who was – uh, Big Ten player of the year and first team All-American. So I don't know. There isn't just a one best. There were some just really, really good players that uh, uh, kind of had the opportunity and made the most of the opportunity uh, when they when it came their way, Scar. Go ahead, Daz. All right, uh, just here's a fun one. Just uh, And you don't have to mention names, but what's the one, one team, any level that you were at, any uh, league that you were at? The team you just hated to play. The, who, who did you of all the teams and conferences you were in? Who did you just hate? And again, we don't we won't mention players or coaches or anything like that. But what team would you just just regretted seeing? Well, when we were in uh, at, at Liberty, we hated playing Radford, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> we did not like playing Radford. <laughs> That's good. Be you know what's kind of interesting? <laughs> this is kind of interesting now. Uh, Mike Eads, uh, Roger Ayers. Uh, Jamie Lucky, yeah. all these, all these guys like started in the Big South. Duke, Duke Etzel, yeah, yeah. Duke, Duke and Etzel. We were doing the Big South, yeah. And, and of course, Carl Hess, the, the 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 great Liberty great. But but what was funny after we were playing Arkansas in the NCAA tournament a couple years ago, we were at Butler. We had Roger Ayers, and uh, Roger Ayers comes over. We're in a like a tight game. I'm talking about we got out on them early. It was like 19 to four, but they came all the way back. And the under, uh, I think it was the under eight timeout. I go out and ask him about a call that he made. He said, "Hey, this isn't any different than Radford Liberty." <laughs> I said, "Wow, <laughs> that's awesome." That's yeah. Great. So, yeah. you know what was interesting is we had Carl Hess in the Kansas game when uh, Trey Burke hit the iconic uh, shot from. Uh, Come about back. 35 feet to yes. tie the game. Yep. And uh, we ended up going to the final four, but Carl Hiss was uh, on that game, which is kind of Duke Etzel was, uh, he was the uh, fourth guy. He was on the bench uh, as the alternate uh, official, but uh, you know, places you hate to go. You know, when I was at Purdue, we hated Indiana, but you know right. what? I was at Indiana. I hated <laughs> Purdue. <laughs> Don't you have a degree from Purdue? Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. Oh, man. That's crazy. And uh, when you're in Michigan, I tell you what, going to the Breslin, you, bet, you better be, have some thick Michigan skin State. because you're, <laughs> you're going to hear everybody calls, calling you names. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. So we did not that's like Sparty when we were at Michigan. That's great. And now, now at Butler, we don't like Xavier. So that's that's a pure hatred too. So you always have that that rivalry now. Yes. 
that uh, kind of stimulate your uh, your competitive juices. No question awesome. about it. Awesome. All right. Well, Coach, we'll let you get out of here. We appreciate you joining us on our inaugural broadcast. Well, Thank it you. has been my pleasure. I'm so proud of you guys. I hope this goes well. If I can ever be of any encouragement or uh, help to you all, don't hesitate to uh, connect with me. And, uh, you know, this basketball season's unique uh, with uh, the, the, the cancellations, the postponements. Uh, mm-hmm. The coronavirus is just playing havoc with the game. Uh, but I'm going to sit back like you guys and kind of enjoy the games I can watch. And uh, I know at the end of the day, the one thing I can pretty much, we can all bank on, there will be an NCAA tournament this year, one way or another. So, uh, but uh, we appreciate it. It's great to catch up with you guys. Yeah, right, coach, coach. Thanks for, thanks for coming on, but not for just for coming on, but we just have such a great history where I know I can speak for Scar. We're always appreciative for you and what you've done for us. You gave us our start in coaching, and, and it's just great to see your success. And uh, congratulations in retirement. Thank you very much, Paul. Appreciate it. And a big thanks again to former coach Jeff Meyer for joining us on NASCAR. All right, let's get back to it here. NASDAQ. One of my favorite segments of the show. He, he's not going to make you any smarter when it comes to buying stock portfolios, but hopefully you'll learn a thing or two about college hoops. All right, Naz, we got some interesting topics to get to here this week. Let's start with San Diego State. Stock up or stock down, Naz? What do you say? Oh, that's stock up. Stock up, man. They are they are uh, rolling. I mean, here's a team that last year, I mean, they were getting ready to uh, make a, a deep run into the tournament. You know, probably we're going to get a one seed or a two. They come back this year. Uh, again, they are tough. You saw they beat Arizona State there and uh, gave Hurley some heartburn. But um, – Coach Brian Dutcher, I mean, he's been there for over 20 years as an assistant, takes the program over, just has them back. Uh, again, success, recruiting, great place to play. Um, this year they got wins over, you know, mentioned Arizona State, but also UCLA. So, I mean, these guys are for real. It's a stock buy. They're, um, they're the best team in the Pac-12, right? Yeah. <laughs> they beat everybody they play in the Pac-12. And here's the and, thing. You know, and they lost, they lost Malachi Flynn, too. Yeah. Malachi Flynn to the NBA. So that's a really good job of coming back this year. And that kind of leads into my next one because I was going to have stock down because the coaches poll didn't have them in there. And uh, that was giving me some problems. I, I was going to start looking like Hurley. I was going to have that face. Like, how can you leave these guys out of the top 25? But they got him in there. They deserve to be in there. So, uh, coaches, pull you're off the hook there uh, with, with – I don't have to mark you down. Um, and then third, my third stock tip is a stock up. It's Boise State and coach head coach Leon Rice. Man, what a story out there. Uh, he's a Mark Few disciple. He spent 11 years with Mark Few there at Gonzaga. We will mention Gonzaga in this regard um, <laughs> because it's a great program. Careful now. Yeah, Coach yeah. Few literally every day. I mean, there's a great relationship there, and you, he comes out of a great program, and he has had great success at Boise State. Listen, eight 20-win seasons, five postseason appearances, and here's the thing. They do a great job, as you have to at the mid-major level, of player development. That's going to do it for NASDAQ. Naz, you got your office cleaned up on Wall Street yet? (laughs) (laughs) All right, just checking. Uh, Let's move on here in uh, NASCAR to our next segment. This is Scarborough Fair or Unfair? Are you going 
So let's get to it, Scar. We've already talked about Coach K once here tonight. Cancellation of Duke's non-conference schedule. Scarborough, fair or unfair? Duke is done playing non-conference basketball this year. That That is Scarborough fair to Duke fans because they want to get into ACC play. But it's Scarborough unfair to the Gardner-Webs and the other teams that they would have played because people understand this. That there's money involved in that. When you cancel those non-conference games, that's a six-figure check that that school is not going to get. So it's Scarborough unfair to the teams that don't get to play Duke this year. Yeah, Scar, you you spent plenty of time around the Big South Conference. You know what that means to Charleston Southern and Gardner-Webb. Right. I mean, that's that's a really He's everything. break. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Scarborough fair or unfair? The Pit in New Mexico, the best mid-major venue in the country. You know, at the time, at, at a time – the pit was one of the best venues, period, in the nation, let alone mid-major. But, you know, I did a game there last year. It was almost sold out. The kids at VCU and kids at Dayton and other places like that, to me, have kind of leapfrogged the pit at New Mexico. But there's still a great that's still a great venue to do a game and watch a game and, and play a game. But to me, it's no longer the premier. So I'm going to say that's Scarborough Fair. Next up, I can probably guess the answer to this one, but I'll answer it anyway. Scarborough, fair or unfair? Number two, Baylor. Number one, Gonzaga canceled. Well, that is clearly Scarborough unfair to Tim Scarborough because that was the game I was looking forward to. We may not consider Gonzaga a mid-major, and we consider him a major, number one in the nation versus number two, Baylor. And I pull for, for Gonzaga. I love that team. I just don't think they're a mid-major. But it's no, no disrespect to Mark Few's group. They got some great players. You know, we talked about Jalen Suggs. You know, they they have NBA-level talent year in and year out these days. That would have been a great matchup. That is Scarborough unfair that we didn't get to see that. All right, last but not least, Scarborough fair or unfair, Luca Garza from Iowa. He's the best player in the country. You know, about six or seven months ago, I would have said that was Scarborough unfair because Obi Toppin from Dayton was clearly the best player. But Luca Garza last year was right there with him, and he was a runner-up for player of the year. But this year, it is Scarborough fair to say he is the best player in the country, averaging nearly 30 points a game, shooting almost 70% from the field. He had 30 at halftime of a game this year. He is pretty much a seven-foot machine right now, unstoppable at both ends, patrolling the paint. Right now, Luca Garza is running away with National Player of the Year, and deservedly so. And Iowa's a really good team as well. Pride of Washington, D.C., Luca Garza getting it done on the court so far this year. That'll wrap it up for Scarborough, fair or unfair. All right, fellas, here we go. Final lap. Let's get zoom, ready. Zoom. <laughs> uh, VCU Old Dominion. Scar, what do you think about that matchup? Man, first of all, I live in Atlanta now, plus it's COVID, so that's two strikes. There's no way, but I would have been at that game. That is a game that I love to watch. Too bad for ODU. They got rolled by VCU. That's a great rivalry. ODU now in the Conference USA, VCU in Atlantic 10, but it's nice that those coaches still get together and play that game. Naz, Kentucky's one and four. What do you make of that? Oh, I don't make too much out of it. Listen, Big Blue Nation, though, the sky is falling. It's <laughs> over. Their egos are bruised. But listen, let me tell you something. It's exactly what they need. Coach Cal knows that those guys are a little bit full of themselves. You know, Scar, you'll remember this phrase we used to use, fat cats don't fight. <laughs> the ones that are well-fed, right. fat, 
they're not scrapping and clawing. I think they got the Wildcats had a little bit of that. These guys come in so highly touted, and this is exactly what they need to get them hungry and humble. Yep. Well, Naz, I'll stick with you. Some big games coming up this week, but what are you keeping your eyes on? Yeah, you know, again, it's it's day-to-day, literally, but Friday night we got a great A-10 matchup. Uh, Davidson goes into Rhode Island. Mm. That should be a war. Hopefully it takes place. <laughs> Yeah, that's what we say about every game. It feels like you're in 2020. Last one here. Scar, uh, I'll come to you on this one. Not a mid-major player, but uh, certainly our thoughts and prayers go out to Keontae Johnson. Very scary incident the other day, collapsing on the floor for Florida. Uh, Young man that had COVID-19, but uh, just your thoughts on uh, Keontae Johnson. Yeah, and your heart goes out to Coach Mike White, good friend of mine. He used to coach at... Uh, Louisiana Tech when I cover I still cover Conference USA and you know I, I follow that Florida team because Mike is such a good guy but you know you, your heart goes out to that the, the family of Keontae Johnson he's been moved to a different hospital he's in a, a medically induced coma so I thought some prayers certainly from uh, the NASCAR podcast to them. Yeah, so, so scary. And uh, thoughts and prayers out to his family and uh, everyone involved there at the University of Florida, no doubt about it. Well, we end on a somber note here this week, but uh, we thank you so much for joining us here on the NASCAR podcast. High speed action without all the pit stops and crashes. Of course, you can find us NASCAR podcast on YouTube. That's where our episodes live each week or on Twitter at NASCAR podcast. That is N-A-Z. S-C-A-R podcast. For Paul Nazigan, for Tim Scarborough, for our engineer and producer, Shaq Cook, my name is Nick Pierce. Thanks so much for joining us. Till next time, so long, everybody. 